0: Welcome to OOMF, the official podcast of the West Virginia Injury Control Research Center. I'm Rob Bossert, director of the ICRC, and we're here to have an informal discussion with injury control researchers and students to help our listeners think about injury control research in a brand new way. I'm joined today by a couple of special guests. This is another one of our special intern editions, the summer intern edition, and my usual co-host, who our vast listening audience will have heard from before, who's currently taking a quick nap. And so I'll let him introduce himself. Dan.
1: Thank you, Rob. Um, my name is Dan Shook. I'm the director of the Mountain Safe Initiative, which is the outreach program of the WVU Injury Control Research Center. And I'm um, also known as uh, Safety Dan.
0: We'll come back to that later, because I don't think we've talked about Mountain Safe before. No. Nope. I think to some mm-hmm. various degrees, both of our guests have helped you with the, that initiative. So maybe yes, we can tell have. people what that is when we come back. And so now we have two special guests I think I will... Uh, Go in a slightly different order than the one we did this morning So I'll have them introduce themselves and we'll start with Caitlin Caitlin. Who are you? Where are you from? What are you doing?
2: Hi, I'm Caitlin Bossart. I'm from Rochester, New York I'm a junior at Duquesne University and I'm studying international relations and international security studies And I'm also getting a minor in French and psychology.
0: So that'd be my nerves Yes, yeah, you Sorry. must have <laughs> great parents to be willing to pay for all that
2: yep <laughs> not,
0: we. We. <laughs> well good and and what are you doing here at the icrc
2: i am working on a couple of literature reviews helping out with those and i'm also helping gears um collect survey information from states territories and tribes um with the cdc survey
0: and what is gears
2: <laughs> it is a global evaluation and applied research solutions
0: Oh, that's what it stands for. Yes, yeah, that's so what it stands for. And so GEARS is one of the partners of the ICRC. Yes. They're working with us on a large study of changes in suicide rates, and you're, you're helping with that.
2: I am. I'm calling um, representatives, delegates, and commissioners and trying to get them to answer the survey.
0: So these are people who are invited to participate in the survey, and you're trying to help encourage them along.
2: That is correct.
0: And how's it going?
2: It's going okay. Um, haven't gotten a lot of responses yet. Left a lot of voicemails, some angry responders.
0: Wait, you've left angry voicemails? or No,
2: no, not me. Some people have been slightly angry by my calls, but.
0: And is it personal? Do they not like you or? Is Probably. It, yeah, okay, fair enough. Okay, and we'll get back to you and our other guest, Olivia.
3: Hi, my name is Olivia Novias. I'm also, also from Rochester, New York. Um, I'm entering my junior year at John Carroll Carroll University in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I'm a political science major with double minor in Spanish and Italian. Mm -hmm. And I'm currently working on the opioid Mm -hmm. response guide handbook for Mm -hmm. the ICRC. Mm
1: How about so the legislative guide.
0: Yeah, the
3: legislative, legislative guide, guide. Yes, yeah. so that's
0: important. So I also must also say you, you must have great parents as well to yeah. pay for that wonderful they're, education you're getting. Yeah, yep, they're awesome. Would you like to give a shout out to your parents right now? Say hi, mom, dad. Shout
3: out mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> hey. oh. maybe just
1: a check.
0: <laughs> just what?
1: She needs to pay him back.
0: Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's how you do
3: it. Oh. It's <laughs> <did a> job. <laughs> hey,
0: so you've been working on a legislative guide for yes. us. Yes. Mm-hmm. And how's that going?
3: It's going well. I've learned a lot. I've done a lot of research and learned a lot about the um, epidemic that's going on right now with opioids and heroin and fentanyl. Um, it's definitely very. It's a huge issue that's going on right now, so it's been interesting to learn about that and see how um, research is really important um, in determining what policy is helpful for certain communities and states.
0: So, what's the one thing you would that you found most interesting or you find most interesting about the opioid epidemic?
3: Um, one thing that's um, definitely interests me throughout um, learning about it is just the stigma that it um, surrounds the whole epidemic and with people who use drugs, um, and how that really holds um, people back and holds everything back from being able to, I don't know, um, find solutions and get help and stuff like that. So that um, is really frustrating, but I feel that with um, awareness and research that people do here at the ICRC, it will definitely help with um, moving that along and helping destigmatize certain areas of that, yeah. Help seeking,
0: yeah. yeah. It's a great observation. It's one of our major efforts is to try to raise awareness about uh, opioid use disorders and, and drug use disorders in general and the availability of treatment and help encourage people to get into care and, and, and more importantly, or equally important I suppose, is to get the communities that surround those people to help encourage them and to be accepting of this as something that is positive both for the people and for their, and for their communities. So I think that's a great observation. So Caitlin, what, what have you learned? talking to people on the phone. Anything (laughs) about suicide and suicide prevention? You've been doing literature reviews as well, right? That's that's a mind-numbingly boring task. Have you enjoyed it?
2: I have. I've gotten to learn a lot about suicide prevention and the factors that um, lead up to suicide and how the ICRC works to help prevent suicide. So that's been interesting. Definitely my psychology minor will be helpful.
0: There you go. What component of the risk factors you've identified have you found interesting or or might feed into your future study
2: um, i thought the drug addiction component of it opioid addiction has been pretty interesting i'm not sure how my specific plans in the future will that will factor in but i definitely think it's a very interesting topic and
0: yeah the the link between substance abuse disorders and suicide yes yes Is that something that's on the survey, by the way? Do we ask anybody about that? No. No. Uh, Perhaps we should have. Hindsight (laughs) would be a good thing. So you two have worked with Dan a little bit. He's dragged you around as part of Mountain Safe. Would you like to take just a couple of seconds and tell us about what Mountain Safe is and how that feeds into... I think we're being attacked. Well, how how that feeds into uh, what we're doing here at the ICRC?
1: Yes, sir. Um, Mountain Safe is... uh, we we were uh, safe communities. Uh, we were accredited safe communities by the National Safety Council, and now that program has transitioned into uh, Mountain Safe, uh, and which is a part of the, um, you know, ICRC, and it's the Outreach Corps. And, and what we do is uh, we take uh, the information, the evidence that you know the researchers uh, discover about how to solve and fix and prevent some of these uh, injuries, uh, the injury problems that we have. Um, or death, and then we, we take it to the community, work with co- communities um, at the grassroots level that try to uh, give them evidence-based tools and information to be able to use in their community to make it safer for them, because so many of these, these injuries and deaths can just be prevented if people knew how.
0: So a lot of the work that the ICRC does is focused on the problems of West Virginia and the surrounding Appalachian region, which has its own, like any area, uh, specific needs, characteristics of its communities. And so part of your, your challenge is to find ways to take the evidence base that's developed out of research and, and implement it in communities that uh, have their own needs, their own infrastructure, their own resources, their own gaps, and, and tailor those programs to those areas while trying to maintain that, that evidence-based approach to implementation.
1: Yes. You know, I've only been in West Virginia for two years, but this is a very diverse state. Uh, the, the, the counties on the east side of the state tend to identify more with the East Coast people and the people in the northern part of the state tend to you know be connected to the kind of the northern types of states and then we got the southern part. So it's really a diverse state and in each county in each you know area has different issues to, to, to deal with and so we, we use data to, to determine what the big safety issues are in these communities and then try to work with them to you know, get those things under control.
0: Wait a minute, you're telling me not all West Virginians are the same.
1: Uh, no, just look behind you.
0: Oh. Hey, it's Danelle. Donnell's not the same. Yeah. So let's get back to our guest We let him off the hook for a second. That's sort of like New York. You both oddly are from New York. Did you know each other before? Yes, we oh. did. So everybody assumes when you're from New York you're from New York City. Yeah. So, yeah. so you say I live in New York. And everybody goes, Oh, it must be great to live in the city. You're like, ah I live no, in Rochester. S- yeah. Six
3: hours away. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And so Rochester is very different from new york city obviously right mm-hmm. uh west virginia very much the same way so dan took you guys on a tour of this area put you in a it wasn't a bus really right
1: no it was a uh, very nice van or uh, like a suburban or something with the um a woman who's going to be running for a state legislature uh, this fall and she took us around to uh different different public housing areas would these
0: be areas of uh, that she would be representing if she's elected
1: uh, uh, yeah, she would be representing this area. I think this uh, district. I'm not okay. sure what the district is. Uh, I'm not real familiar with it. But we could th-
0: say 12. Nobody will know. Okay, yeah, yeah, 12. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: 55 sounds good. 55 district. Um, 55. But she, she actually has lived in some of these uh, public housing in some of these communities, and she knows how they struggle. And uh, the safety and, and health issues in, in those communities are sometimes forgotten, there's such disparity. So she took us around to the, some, about I don't know, five, maybe four or five different public housing areas so we could get a sense of the, the trouble that these, these individuals have uh, having access to simple services. Um,
0: so you two went along? Olivia yes. And, yes. and mm-hmm. how was it? What did you learn? Was it interesting?
3: It was really interesting. Um, it was really crazy to see how far some of these um, housing places were from um, public transportation. And then, say per se, if like someone doesn't have a car, um, the roads were pretty windy. There wasn't really sidewalks or anything. We so don't you have could, a lot of sidewalks. Yeah, so you could see how that could be a huge issue with... Um, The ability just to get to work or get to the store or something or get to the doctor, um, how that could be an issue, and also just how unsafe it could be, like with um, accidents with motor vehicles and stuff like that.
0: It's complicated, right? Because we tell people who are sick to go to the doctor that there's a hospital to go to the doctor. But if you live in one of these rural areas and you can't necessarily walk, and the other thing, and I don't know if you mentioned or not, our roads tend to go very uphill and downhill all the time. We don't have a lot of yeah. flat roads, right? Mm-hmm. So if you happen to be struggling with a chronic condition that maybe limits your mobility, and now somebody's telling you to go walk them down hilly roads with no sidewalks, it may not be the safest thing.
1: Yeah, it puts children in danger in, in yeah. our uh, school system. As a matter of fact, it was kind of fun on this trip that we actually saw the elementary school that Caitlin went to when you were here in grad school, I guess, or you were teaching at the university yeah. previously. So that All was, right, now was you've like, let everybody know she's my daughter. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, they didn't know that <laughs>
0: So we were here from two thousand and four to two thousand and six.
2: No, we weren't here that long. We were here for like ten. I months. was here.
0: You, you, and the rest of the family lived in Atlanta for a year, but then I was here. Right. So you, so you were went to fourth
2: grade. Fourth yeah. grade. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You went. You did,
1: or you did? I thought you were here.
0: <laughs> I did not go to fourth grade oh. here. Yes. I went fourth grade here. So mm-hmm. you went. You were a student in Cheat Lake Elementary School. I was. Yes. Yeah. So you have some ties to West Virginia.
2: I do. Yeah. I didn't notice yeah. how. Uh, uh, unsafe the road. I we did see like it's off this one really windy, like, hard to access road. And if people like miss the bus and don't have any other transportation to get there too, it's and I, like have to walk. It was not that safe. So I didn't yeah. notice that when I was in fourth grade.
1: Uh, can, can I ask a question too about safe about safety? Uh, whenever I've sent my kids off to, to college or school or even where when I moved here, I'm always looking for the safe areas and and. Uh, Early on in my teaching career, we were putting together an introductory course for freshmen at a university here in the state for safety, and I'm thinking, well, safety, I mean, why do you have to teach somebody about safety? That should be a no-brainer. But apparently it's not a a, a no-brainer. And I was uh, consulted by several people when I first moved into town about some of the safety issues, you know, in in our community. So since you guys have been working here with us, has this made you any more aware of safety and, and what safety is about? And, I mean, I know the the uh, opiate and the substance disorder is consuming us, but there are other safety issues out there, and I was wondering if you guys, are you a little more thoughtful about being safe about things, or do you still text and drive, or what do you do?
0: Go ahead, lie. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's actually going to check.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that's for either one of you. (laughs) I think I'm definitely more aware, um, especially of... My father texts and drive, text and drive all, and drive no, all the time. My, so no, I've been way more aware of that. Very dangerous. Yeah.
0: That's your stepfather, right? Not. Nope. No. <laughs> Thank no. you, Caitlin.
2: I, I, like you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I always. She's lying. I always pull off to the side road, stop in a rest stop, and text them. Not true.
2: <laughs> Not true at all.
1: I could just lost my eye. <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: and Olivia?
3: Um. Yeah. Definitely. Um. Just seeing how, like, easy s- so many injuries can be just prevented, um, this being here has definitely made me realize that. Um, and also with, like, infrastructure, just, like, um, safety issues with that, like, sidewalks and stuff like that, just, like, how simple, like, things like that could be implemented and you could cause, I don't know, some, like, could definitely make a huge difference. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, that uh, well, this happened before you guys were here, but we had a... Uh, a fatality a student fatality a pedestrian uh, in February then I think recently we had a, a pedestrian I mean a, a cyclist that was uh, you know killed riding on unsafe roads, so yeah, I was just wondering if if you guys think about safety much or if you just kind of go, you're so young and life is going to be around forever, and la 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 and
0: I don't know if you have to put it like that, but yeah
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to put both of you on the spot very quickly so. Olivia, you made a great observation about stigma and that being a problem that mm-hmm. continues to contribute to our, our mm-hmm. opioid crisis. So just based on your perspective, having worked on this for a while and looking at the legislative guide and being a student, what can you offer us that we might think about as we move forward as a center about ways we might do things differently?
3: Hmm, it's a hard question.
0: <laughs> You're welcome.
3: <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Um, I guess just making sure that... um interaction with the community stays, um, prevalent. Um, because I feel like that's the most important thing in order to, um, combat issues like that because just sitting in a room and, um, trying to figure out your own way of how to solve this crisis. I mean, you're, you have your head in a good place, but it's really important to get out in the community and see what these people are actually Mm -hmm. facing on a day-to-day basis because they're the ones that are actually, like, facing this epidemic head on and being affected by it, like, day by day. So it's really important to um, stay interactive in the community and see what um, the people that are, like, facing this epidemic actually feel needs to be done Very as awesome. well. That's That's
0: really good advice, by the way. But you do understand, of course, that Dan is the person who's responsible for that. So he's the person we have to send out to do that. <laughs> and you still think that's going to work?
1: Yeah, I have faith in Dan. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> Safety yeah. Dan, remember? Yeah. Safety
0: Dan. All right, Caitlin, so I'm going to put you on the spot as well. You can't get away from this. Okay. So one of the bigger challenges we have in research is getting people to respond to surveys. right? So it's uh, you have first-hand experience trying to do this. What are your observations? A lot of people are saying maybe we should stop trying to do surveys because nobody wants to do them anymore. Have any insight to ways we might interact with the people that – we, we try to collect information from? Should we think about new ways? You've heard firsthand from the people who've been asked to fill this out. What do you got for us?
2: Um, I still think surveys are really important and a great way to like collect information, but um, people are very busy. That was one of the comments I got back to, and they don't always have time or sometimes they forget about it. So I definitely think, although they may not like to receive calls or emails about completing them, it is very helpful and would get more information back maybe give them like an incentive to do it other than they do suicide prevention for their living so that should be goodness of their heart yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Altruism. maybe another incentive to get them to do the survey or make it like a more personal to them i'm not sure how you could do that but make them feel like they are really wanted in the survey i don't know
0: any strategies that you use to try to get people to, to fill. were you able to convince anybody to log on and fill it out
2: um, some people I talked to, I didn't actually do the survey with them, but, um, they like called back right away and said they'd love to be a part of it and asked me to resend them the link cause they didn't know where it went over the course of a couple of weeks. So
0: patience is important as people yes. yell at you. Yes. Yes. It's not personal. No. Yeah. All right. So I think that gets me through my questions. I, would like to offer the opportunity to both of you to say anything you want about your experience. Who got to go to the shack? Olivia, you got to go yeah, to the shack. Yeah, I got to right? go to the shack. Caitlin, did you go? No. 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 How is the shack? What is the shack?
3: Um, the shack is basically like um, kind of like an after school center, but like you can really go there anytime you need to, um, essentially for kids. Um, they provide a lot of services for um, children in the community. There's a pool, so like on hot days, you can go to the pool. Um, I honestly don't remember everything, like all the services they provide. But, they, um, yeah, it was basically like a center for kids to go um, after school or during the summers, during the day, if their parents are at work and stuff like that.
1: I think many kids struggle with um, food insecurity or hunger, and they offer food and some snacks. And there's a particular program that uh, they work with – Children, women, uh, uh, girls in particular, the adventurous girls that uh, have been traumatized. You know, that's part of their ACES program out there that uh, they do. One of our priorities. Yeah, yeah, they do some pretty tremendous things with those little girls.
0: All right. Well, I said I would give you both a chance to say anything you want, and I didn't. So, Olivia, got anything?
3: <laughs> um, I've had a great time here in West Virginia and at the ICRC. So
1: Is that your favorite? What? Am I your favorite person? You oh, know?
3: for sure, hands down. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, then I just want to say thank you for having me. Yeah,
0: yeah. That, and, of course, thanks to your mom and dad for sending you to John Carroll with a double minor. Yes, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, <laughs> and, Caitlin, what about you?
2: I also have had a great time here at the ICRC, and thank you for having me.
0: That's it? Yeah. That's it. Yeah, well, uh, well done. And, and thanks, of course, to your your mom and dad? No. <laughs> Your mother would probably like it if you said thank you. Thanks, Mom. There you go. (laughs) All right. And Dan, anything from you?
1: Uh, No, I just enjoy uh, hanging out with young folks like this. It it keeps me energized and keeps me on my toes and thinking, and I enjoy it. I don't like old people. No, me neither. I like hanging out with young people.
0: So I I want to thank both of you for working with us this summer. You've helped us move some projects forward. Uh, The legislative guide, Olivia, has uh, been a direct result of your contribution. Thank you. And I hope the briefing with the state legislator at the end of the week goes well. Caitlin, thank you for helping with gears and for literature reviews You help make those projects move forward. Hopefully you guys will go back and spread word about public health and injury prevention and try to get some of your classmates involved. I'm still trying to convince Caitlin to go to grad school for public health. I'm losing, but I'm I'm trying. So-
1: Don't let your parents push you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a great field. So um, thank you both. Thank you, Dan. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just want to remind everybody that September is National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And a quick reminder that if you're experiencing distress or you feel like you could use a little bit of help, uh, help is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's just a phone call away. You can dial 1-800-273-8255. And if you're a veteran or concerned about a veteran or you're in the military, push 1, and that will route you to the Veterans Crisis Line. And if you choose not to and just want to stay on and talk to someone at the National Suicide Prevention uh, Crisis Line, uh, just give them a call 800-273-8255.
2: All right, well, thank you again for tuning in to hear our conversation with our summer interns, Caitlin and Olivia. If you have questions or comments, make sure you share them with us on Twitter or Facebook using hashtag AskWVUICRC. Again, that's hashtag AskWVUICRC.
1: This is Safety Dan. Uh, We hope that this conversation has helped you think about injury prevention in a new way. Be sure uh, you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Goodbye from your friends at OOMPH. We make injury control. Cool. Cool.